Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Inside the Asperger Studios. Today on the show, I'm joined with a fellow podcaster who's got a show called From Advocate to Autism and Inside the Orange. He talks about what it's like to be diagnosed late with autism and what it was like. And he also talks about his son who also got diagnosed with autism as well. So sit back, relax, and grab your favorite beverage, and I'll see you on the other side. See you there. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Inside the Asperger Studios Presents Stories. Today on the show, I'm joined with Rich Stevens, who is also an, an autism advocate as well, and a father, and is autistic himself. Welcome to the show, Rich. Hi, Reid. Thank you so much for having me on the Inside the Asperger Studio. Really excited. Not a problem. So let's start off with, why don't you tell me a little bit about yourself? Yeah, so um, you might tell from the accent, I'm from England in the in the UK. So um, I'm a podcaster, but first I'm a I'm, I'm a dad. Um, I've got children, and I started a podcast a few years back called Inside the Orange, which is quite similarly named to the <laughs> podcast we're sat on now, which is quite interesting. Um, Inside the Orange was about understanding people. I started that to kind of start talking to different people in the world. It was against a, a backdrop of autism because my youngest son was diagnosed at two and I wanted him to be understood in the world. And Inside the Orange came from, where does this come from for, uh, so who who are we? And understanding people is as simple as understanding what's inside an orange. And that's where the, the name of that podcast came from. But for me, it was always against the backbone of autism and then over a few years of self-development and, and and self-awareness for myself i started to ask questions about my own self and got diagnosed as an adult autistic and now i'm trying to bring to the world the advocate to autistic podcast talking about my journey from being an advocate of autism to actually understanding my own life and journey and understanding of being an autistic man all right so when were you diagnosed I'm very, very recently diagnosed. Um, so I was diagnosed, officially confirmed on November last year. It was a two year process. So the, the UK process is, is quite a long one. I'm not sure about the, the length of time it takes in the US from, from kind of the initial conversation to actual confirmation of diagnosis. But yeah, November last year, um, I was officially diagnosed myself. Um, after yeah, a long journey of self kind of discovery and asking a lot of questions that have been there for my whole life. So, and that's been the kind of thing I've been getting used to in the last, say, six months is transitioning from advocate to, to autistic. <laughs> <laughs> so what does the UK offer in terms of helping those who are on the spectrum? It's difficult. I mean, from my son's diagnosis so things have changed my son's now a, a teenager he was diagnosed at two and a half when he was diagnosed the support was was really kind of apparent he had early years support he had a one-to-one -one support through nursery school um into early years at school there was a lot there we had parenting classes about understanding what he might understand and what he might need help with and I think sadly what's happened over the last few years through funding, through governments, I'm not sure, that has slowly been pulled further and further away. And I know now um, there's a lot of cases where the UK aren't diagnosing children till seven, eight years old. And I think that's a bit of a loss for to be fair, because I think there's that's an, that's five years difference from my son's diagnosis, which actually gave him support. He's actually thriving. He's doing so well now because he had that early support. And I think through funding, cuts, costs, whatever it is in the world, I think the UK's just lost a little bit of sight with that. And it's much harder. My diagnosis is slightly different. Mine was to understand myself more than anything. Mine was a kind of retrospective diagnosis. So looking back, I've had the support. My workplace is very good at understanding people. I'm in education myself. We've got quite a good understanding of, of autism in my work that I do it for a living. 
but I still think we there's a, there's a lot to kind of rediscover or kind of get back to in the in the younger people getting diagnosed in the church in that early intervention. I'm a big big supporter of early intervention for support for autistic children. All right. Now, did when you got diagnosed, did thing did things change for you, or when you found out, did you like realize, oh wow, that's why I am like this? Yeah, I think it's it's a difficult, it's a great question, Reed. First and foremost, because the answer is yes, things changed, but like you say, was retrospectively looking back, going, oh, that's why I did this. But I think there was a a case of a bit of self discovery. So I think I was self-diagnosed and spotting these things which made me want to seek the medical diagnosis in the end because i started to feel things were adding up exactly like you've just said when you've got um the, the, my son's very similar to me and my family were pointing out traits that were go well you did that when you were younger and i was born in the 80s so I was quite a, a cheeky, chappy character, so I kind of masked a lot as I was younger. I, I was very good at impersonating cartoon characters or things on TV and film. So I didn't I didn't strike the kind of, and again, I'll be very careful with this, but I didn't strike the autistic um, characteristics that might seem. I did stim. I did have um, voluntary hand movements. I'm still doing that now. Sorry, you can probably see on my screen, my hands do move very, very when I'm um, excited and, and talking and animated. But it was just looking at bits and pieces throughout my life that I kind of looked back and went, yeah. And it was a real kind of building up kind of my history, but from at the age of 35, 36, going backwards and putting pieces together. If that makes sense to you at all, that's kind of how it was for me. All right. Now, do you have ADHD as well? I haven't gone down any routes to be tested or, or or diagnosed for anything for ADHD I don't I don't know as I say my my diagnosis of confirmation is of of autism um an autism ASD uh, <laughs> diagnosis is is what I've got um there might right. be traits there may be traits but not nothing that I've investigated any further all right what was it like finding out your son had autism it was it was tough it was you kind of go through life so it, he again he had things he wasn't weight bearing he was unable to um talk until he, he was non-verbal he was about four or five he was very he hated new toys he hated anything new it was it was um it was a relief probably to get him diagnosed because of the things that were like, we, we just, we didn't, it, it was difficult to seem to make him happy and to, to see what he was, you know, we, you kind of expect your children to like birthdays. He didn't like birthdays. He didn't like new oh. things. He didn't like groups, crowds. He didn't like anything like that. So it was difficult first and foremost, because obviously you're being told that there are going to be needing to be big changes in your life. And our, our life kind of just had to adapt once you kind of, but as a parent, that's what you do anyway you you adapt to what your child needs so it was tough but me and my wife just we just listened to what the support and the advice was around us which as i say at the time with early intervention was really good we had a lot of support we just took the advice and he's been able to thrive and develop because of that but it again it's 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 difficult it's a diagnosis of something that you have no idea about walking into that doctor's surgery although i've been autistic all my life i had no idea what this this autism meant for me as a parent, as a dad. And that's probably been one of the biggest challenges is my retrospective diagnosis has been probably easier because I've learned it through my son and now I'm able to, to understand and, and thrive myself because of it. So it's been, yes, it, it was a tough diagnosis, but as I say, I, I can't champion enough early early support. And if you're willing to take that diagnosis and actually listen to what's being told and take any support you are getting and speak to the communities, wow, that's that's what makes it a lot easier. All right. Now let's talk about your podcast a little bit. What kind of reception has it gotten in the autism world, if any? The... Uh, the Advocate to Autistic podcast. So again, I've, I've got two podcasts. My my first podcast was Inside the Orange. 
we've adapted that to bring this new series and uh, this new podcast of advocate to autistic it's been good um it started quite well we've used instagram and 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 twitter and threads all these new places that you know threads has just popped up we've used that to try and engage with the autistic community i've been very careful with the language i'm i'm using and terminology and again i'm very conscious that people need to use the techn- terminology they're comfortable with but I don't tend to tell people how they need to use terminology on the podcast. I, I want people to be open and honest and, and feel how they need it to listen. But people have been writing uh, to the podcast, to through the social media channels and giving us some lovely bits of information. And that's what I wanted the podcast about. Look, let's take some information from people in the community and let's share it because that one feeling that makes this difficult is when you feel you're on your own, when you feel that you're the only person going against this or you're the only person. When we can start having other people share stories, opinions or success, you know, what's worked well for them, what didn't work well for them, that is only going to help. And I'm so thankful that for starting it, even in the early few episodes, we're getting that feed, we're getting that buy-in from people to say, this is what my experience was. And that's what I open up for Advocate to Autism. I want people's experience. This is the, the idea of it is I tell my story of growing from advocate to autistic, but it's not all about me. It's about sharing that little bit of story to help someone else that might just need that bit of help from someone else. There's a load of experts out there and there's so many people we can listen to. I mean, you, you know, tell me about it. I mean, when you do a search for autism and experts and everything there are a ton of life coach autism life coaches and just coaches in general and people who want to help with even with job transitioning and everything else more it's just that community is just building and more and more people are coming out saying i have autism they are and you know, Reed, I think you've just set that up nicely for me to say one of my first posts on threads I put out about the advocate to autism on that on the on the advocate to autistic channel. You were one of those people that reached out and went, let's talk about it. And I was like, Reed, I've only just done a couple of episodes. It's really brand new. And you were like, yeah. Rich, that doesn't matter. We're a community. We work together. We help each other. Let's do something. And then obviously you can come and speak on my podcast. But that's yeah. what I found. So I really want to say thank you to you for that, because I wouldn't be sat here now if you hadn't reached out and given me the confidence to say, actually, Rich, just come and talk about it on my show. So thank you. Thank you. And thank you, listeners, for, for wanting to hear these English tones for a little while. <laughs> Not a problem. I mean, as I've said to many friends who are autistic, we support each other. We have each other's backs. I mean, there are the few rotten apples out there, and I won't name names, but the lot of us just support each other because we know, I mean, we know what we go through. I mean, the purpose of my podcast is basically to let people know, Hey, you're not alone in this world. There are, there is a huge community of us out there willing to support you and have your back because we know what you feel. We know what you're going through. And one of the other reasons I started it was because my blog just wasn't getting the message across. People couldn't hear the sincerity in my voice. And then the minute I started throwing up my episodes on YouTube, oh my God, the recognition it got. That's brilliant. And yeah, again, I I just want to say thank you. And that's something that I want to aim for with advocate to autistic is if, if, if this is working, let's let's share each other's stories let's share yeah. again you know our, our guests you know we we've I've, i haven't had any guests on yet obviously you're going to come on the podcast uh, as we chatted on the first time we spoke but absolutely uh, you know I, I i want to hear from people and again yeah share the story and that's why i developed advocate to autistic from the inside the orange podcast because actually i wanted to talk about autism now and i could under inside the orange but I wanted to share the story based on my, what I'm going through, but inviting the communities to say, come on, share what you've got, share what you can help someone else with. And I think as long as you go with that mentality, that's when you get the help. And that's when people are willing to come forward like you did and support. So again, thank you. Not a problem. I mean, I think part of the problem is so many of us are just too afraid to scream help. 
think that's a really good point. I think there's that element of weakness, isn't it? That people think if I say I need help, that someone's going to think I'm weak. But actually, again, and I think that's really, that's been one of the most eye-opening things in the autistic community. And I think as soon as you start talking about your experiences, even when I spoke to people when I was doing Inside the Orange about the autism things, people were going, oh, you, you might want to talk to this person because this person's got a bit of an idea about that or, you know, and and again, as I say, it's 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 just been such a community that has helped support. And again, I'm I'm just blessed to now be able to talk about it. It has been tough because obviously I've now had to change how I talk as an advocate to saying I'm autistic as well. So there's there's still bits and pieces. But again, people have been so good and understanding about what my message is rather than if I misspeak or misterm or talk, you know, you know, in a different way. And I think, as I say, everyone that I've spoke to since I started Advocate to Autistic has come from a place of kindness and again that's all we want and that's what we continue to try and support with with the message yeah so true but anyways do you have any special interests um in terms of my my interests i'm quite a um a 12 month mover so i i have i have an interest and I will be fixated on that for a little while, probably for 12 months. And then I kind of move around. Um, I've had lots and lots of bits of pieces. I, I'm, I'm, I'm big into my kind of reading. I've been big into my football for a long time, UK football, so soccer. Um, biographical stories are probably my biggest thing that I love. I love, um, so I, I'll give you an example. I can't read um fiction books so i can't read a fiction book if i haven't seen it visualized onto a screen so interesting absolutely so um i prefer a biography where i can picture that person in that situation even if i wasn't there to see that situation i'm much better reading biographies of people than i am that so if i watch um things like uh, I've, I've read the books for the game of thrones but after I watch the TV series, because I can then pinpoint who people look like, but I, I haven't got that ability to read a fiction book and to be able to spot a character. Um, so, and that, that was something that was quite interesting with, with my wife, because uh, I think you remember the books from a few years back, the 50 shades of gray. Yeah. And she always said to me, we, we saw the films obviously. And she said to me, that's not what Christian gray looked like. And I said, he's a fictional character. How can you tell you? And she said, no, no, when you read a book, you you know what this person looks like. And I found mm -hmm. that so interesting because I've never been able to, you know, Harry Potter looks like Daniel Radcliffe to me if I read Harry yeah. Potter. Does that make sense? So I love, I love biographies. I love books that I've been able to translate or that have been translated into film or something that I can actually visualize that person in. So yeah, read, reading's a big one. Um, but yeah, just facts, knowledge. I just love to learn. Literally, that's probably my biggest interest is something new. I love to read about it and learn about it. Now, would you say your podcast would be your hyper one of your hyper focuses? Yes, one hundred percent. My, I'm also doing a degree at the moment, so I kind of have to. And I've talked about this. Funny enough, I did an episode today about the fact that my relaxing time is using my brain so when i'm i i i can't lay on a beach and sunbathe read i can't i can't i can't do that but to sit and do a, a, a degree or to sit and do a free podcast episodes and edit them and record them and and build them i could do that for, for hours i could sit exactly where i was and do that for hours but i can't relax my my brain is using my brain is what keeps me relaxed and focused at the same time and it sounds so surreal to say that but does that make sense is that, do you know, do you no, i mean that? yeah no no i totally understand that because that sounds like me i cannot relax my mind is constantly churning and one of my good friends i'm gonna have on my show coming up at the end of the month who you may know um jessica came from how do we how do adhd she's like 
I, I see how your brain is like constantly going with all your emails you're sending me with questions and ideas. She's like, you get such great ideas. I understand that your brain is constantly churning out stuff. And my, um, my mind is constantly active. I mean, I constantly have ideas. I mean, for me to relax is like, I can't, I can't read a book because if I start reading it and then I put it down and I forget about it, but try to get back to it. It's like, oh, I read this chapter already. Why do I want to reread it? And then I forget about it. Mm. For me, it's more like I like to learn. I've already mastered. I've I've taken like several classes in Coursera and got myself a certificate in um, sustainability and food, mindful eating, and healthy cook and healthy cooking. I got a certificate in food and health from them and now I'm working on learning about the XR um the whole XR scene between media um mixed reality and virtual reality and augmented reality mm. diving into that because I get ideas in my head floating around yeah I think there's a lot in that I've just um that's funny enough one of my parts of my degree was just doing marketing research about augmented reality virtual reality mixed reality blockchain and things you know everything around that area uh that was quite recent in my in my life as well um but yeah I I I enjoy that learning aspect I enjoy the I don't know. It's 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 it, it's not something that I think I don't need to keep changing what I learn. I don't think, in my sense, I just I do like to sit and make sure that my brain's being used. I I can't. I can put trash TV on and watch a bit of you know a reality show or something, but it doesn't engage me like learning, like you know, reading work from others based on the degree or again understanding things to do to support help uh, with the podcast. I mean, it's it's all. It's yes, it's 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 good. It's good to be thinking. I think. Do you tend to see the world differently since your diagnosis? Medically, my medical diagnosis, no. But again, that two-year window where I was waiting for that diagnosis, everything, a lot of self-realization, a lot of how I am. Although saying that. It has been difficult or it's been interesting with my work colleagues and things like that to actually be able to now um, explain what I need and things like that. So possibly it's probably not been just since my diagnosis, but since the process of me thinking about it, yes, until now. And I think it's just going to carry on. And I think that's why autistic, uh, sorry, advocate to autistic is going to be something that I can do because I'm still only six months into this full diagnosis. There's still going to be things that I am going to learn, but it hasn't been that I got the diagnosis and then wow, everything changed. I think that was the process that got me to ask the question in the first place of actually, why am I thinking like this? Why do I think like that? Why am I looking at the world this way? And you do, you start to look at things behind things around things you start to distrust things you read or see on the news or see on the television because you think hang on a minute no they're not telling me the full truth here you know so yeah it's it's been it has probably been a case that i've been thinking that way now for probably two or three years um so a long answer to the question i'm sorry it was it's probably yes but i think that's been a process for longer than just my diagnosis from my day of my diagnosis i think it's been a real self-awareness journey all right. Now, do you have any sensory issues? Um, really, the biggest ones I can really think of is there's certain clothing I can't wear. And again, I talked about this on a podcast today, so I can't actually wear shirts. If someone says to me, you need to wear a shirt, it is the worst thing. I have an aversion to collars, buttons, collars, things like that. Um, also, which was really something that kind of ruined a lot of holidays for us is the feeling of sand or wet sand under my feet. I can't cope with that. I can't do it. I, I wasn't able to touch um, like a velvet when I was, well, I still wouldn't touch it now. The, the thought, the feeling of polystyrene, things like that. There's a lot of things that I feel that I can't do really in, in that sense. And I will do everything I can to avoid them. Um, 
I, I don't like sudden loud sounds. I used to not be able to listen to fireworks, but I've got better. Obviously, as an adult, I'm better with that. But still, that loud sound at the wrong time is something that can send me into a bit of a bit of overload in a sense, or a bit of overwhelm. Um, so yeah, but mainly physical, mainly touch, feeling rather than than anything else in terms of sensory. And again, it's been interesting because. For a long time, it's, I wouldn't say that to anyone. I wouldn't tell anyone that I couldn't wear shirts. I would, I'd, I'd just try and avoid it. I wouldn't avoid sand. I'd go on the sand with my kids when they were younger. And inside, I felt like I just wanted to, like, not, well, I didn't want to be there, but you ju I just wanted to feel like I wanted to take my feet off because I didn't like that feel. But how do you tell your children they can't play on the beach? And for a long time, and that's, I internalised a lot. I was diagnosed depressed in... 2018 because i think i internalized all these things that i should have said actually this isn't right for me i didn't i just did it and masked to the point where i was just exhausted in the end so it has happened yeah but now i know and i can see these things now or what they do so i've been able to avoid that kind of getting to that point getting to that state if that makes sense it kind of does. So do you wear shirts now? I will wear a shirt if I'm forced to. So if 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 it's an occasion that a wedding or something that I have to wear, I will wear a shirt and tie. But as soon as that wedding's finished, I've got my joggers and my my, 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 my joggers trousers and my T-shirt by the front door, literally. I, as soon as I can get back into a T-shirt and joggers is fine. But again... It's it's a case that I have to get ready for it, and I know you know when events are coming up that you're going to yeah. do it. So you just you work right. yourself into it. So when you say shirt, you mean like button down? Yes. Oh, I can't stand them either because I mean when you're told, oh yeah, you got to button it all the way up. My parents got to the point where they're like, no, he can't breathe. He's uncomfortable. My mom will look at me and say, if you if you're not uncomfortable, if you're uncomfortable just pretend button it or tie the tie so it looks like it's buttoned mm. do the thing and then when you're done i mean it's like anytime i have to wear a tie the minute the event is over i take that tie off like at a wedding or something mm. i'm once once i'm sitting down at that table and the ceremony's done and we're eating and dancing i take the tie off it's so funny because my wife literally has to say rich we've got a wedding coming up or we've got this function coming up you're gonna have to wear it and it's kind of like she has to do that preset of like look we know i know you don't like it but <laughs> the expectation is you do it but again you know I, i'm not I, there's there's elements i can do it obviously it's not comfortable for me but as soon as you know i understand i try to do what i can for people and i also try if i don't have to wear mm -hmm. a shirt every other opportunity i will be wearing my t-shirt and my jeans <laughs> to any event that i can go to <laughs> Yeah, I think most autistics prefer jogging pants and sweatpants and sweatshirts or even shorts because it's the most comfortable thing to wear. Absolutely. Even down to socks. I could, as soon as I finish my day, my socks come off my feet and I have to have my bare <laughs> feet. That, that's the end of my day. Socks off, done. But but it's funny, really, because this is stuff I wouldn't associate with autism. For that first 35, 60 years of my life, I just thought that was me just... Well, that's just you, isn't it? But the more I kind of looked at it and I thought, well, no, actually, it's something that there's a reason behind this stuff, you know? And that's what was really interesting for me. And the more and more traits that I kind of recognised was when I started to think, well, actually, I should get my own diagnosis, really. Anyways, have you had, how are you with filtering or monitoring what you say? You might notice from this podcast, Reid, that I literally just speak i don't i i think that's probably an area that i know i think i know enough to to know what i should and shouldn't say but i i even had to tell my boss the one thing you're going to get from me is all the information you don't get half the information from me if it's in my mind it's going to be out my mouth it's going to be said because that's another way that i think i am able to kind of um regulate myself i think as long as i feel that i've said everything that i need to say i feel comfortable 
I hate thinking that I have some of I've missed something out or haven't said something that might be important. So for filtering, I, I again, I, I don't think I say things that are not necessary, but I think you do get as you could probably hear, I've done most of the talking today. Apologies if I'm not supposed to. Not a problem. <laughs> when someone asks me, I like to give as much information as I can. All right. What would you, what do you think the hardest thing is about having autism? That's a really good question. Um, and again, one that probably I'm not in a position to say at the moment because. I'm still in a kind of place of transition with myself. If I was to say anything, it's probably, it's probably just trying to kind of go through life without the cliches, without the, well, you don't, you know, you, you don't really look autistic or everyone's got a few traits or everyone's got this, you know, some of those sayings and things that I think now I went through an autism diagnosis. It isn't a case that everyone's got this, you know, there are things I can't do that you can do without even thinking not everyone has it so sometimes it is a little bit of that but i do have to remember and we we had a chat before we came on i'm not here to tell people off for saying the wrong things or getting it wrong but sometimes when you feel that it took a lot for me to to, to go for a diagnosis it took a lot for me to with my son being diagnosed, I almost didn't do it for a long time because I thought it might cheapen his diagnosis. You know, why am I trying to latch on to my son's diagnosis? But when people tell you, oh, well, everyone's, everyone's a bit autistic. It's so hard to sometimes hear that. And you think, well, no, actually, have you been through the process? Because the process to talk about it took me back 35 years of my life under every looking under every single rock that I then started to think that's not right. So probably just the, the hardest bit is listening and hearing sometimes to the cliches that can be quite hurtful when people just brush it off as a kind of, well, everyone's autistic these days, aren't they? You know, no, they're not. You know, if I, we don't tell you all of our challenges because if we did, you probably would give up listening halfway through and you wouldn't understand why I can't wear a shirt. You wouldn't understand why I can't touch sand or velvet. You're not going to have that same thought process. And that's probably, again, difficult to say after six months, but that would be my answer at the moment is just that cliche of usual comments about it and cheapening it. All right. What advice as a father would you give to other fathers out there who have kids on the spectrum and maybe on the spectrum themselves? I think the first thing is if you think you're, is that if you think your children is on the spectrum or is if your child is on the spectrum? Sorry. Either. child, Either. Yeah. First of all, be a dad. So remember the one thing that in this, in this world is that you're there to protect your children and do whatever you can for your children. So get the support you need for your child, get the support you need to whatever, whatever that looks like and battle and fight and ask questions and do whatever you need and speak to people you know, like myself, like Reed, like whoever is on the community that is, is willing to help you and give you support and advice on what you need to do to help your child. That would be the first thing. Listen and just, just learn from your child as well. Your child is still your child and will still teach you what they need. It just might be completely different to your neighbor's child or someone down the road. It might be completely different. Don't set any milestones like you know, your next door neighbor, your son was walking at two and yours isn't walking till four. doesn't matter. But when your ch child walks at four, celebrate that. When your child says his first word, celebrate that. Make your own milestones. Make it about your own child. Don't look around. Don't think other people are going to set your benchmarks. Your benchmarks are there for you to make yourself. Then from if you do believe you are yourself, think about Think about your life and think about, is it something that you want to talk about now? It's going to take some time. It's not a quick answer. Think about whether you feel you would benefit from, from knowing. Some people go through life and don't know and, and, and don't want to know or ask the question. But if you feel it's something you want to know, again, speak to the communities. And probably the most important one is don't look, don't look at your, at your, at your child and match yourself to them. See if you can match your child's behaviors to what you were like younger. So speak to your family, speak to people about it. And if your family are telling you, you were like that, you were like that, you were like that, you didn't like that, 
then build it up. But don't look at your child and then start mirroring their behavior because you might end up thinking something that you're not. You've got to do it the right way around. You've got to base it on yourself first. So be a dad and then look at yourself. Yeah. Hope that helps as a question. Right? <laughs> that does really. And finally, where can people find out more about you and your podcast? Okay, so um, great question. So I am on all the usual podcast channels. I'm not on YouTube. These There are episodes of the Inside the Orange podcast, which is my first podcast. I'm just not getting used to this screen yet. Um, Inside the Orange podcast you can find on um, YouTube. My current podcast, Advocate to Autistic, is just a vocal podcast on the usual uh, channels, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Overcast, Google Podcasts, Amazon, wherever you enjoy your podcasts. And it's called Advocate to Autistic. Um, you can get in touch with us um, via Instagram, Twitter, and uh, threads, which is Advocate to Autistic. The I've tried to be clever, so it actually is Advocate to autistic so it is in the text talk rather than in the written talk so advocate at uh, to autistic available on threads available on instagram available on twitter or you can find me i am on um, instagram as inside the orange which is my username over this side um inside the orange at orange watts on twitter inside the orange on instagram or you can email advocate to autistic at gmail.com inside this orange at gmail.com and you can find us on our Inside the Orange Facebook page. So there's plenty of channels and ways to get in touch. I'd love to hear from people. And again, I'd love to have your support in helping me grow my podcast to help more people in the community. And that's it, everyone. That was Rich Stevens from Inside the Orange and Advocate to Autistic Podcast. Thank you very much, Rich. Thank you, Reed, for your time. Thank you. Not a problem. I wanna believe in the truth, but only see what I'm shown. Got the freedom to choose, but can't decide on my own. Follow what the group is thinking. Bottle up my intuition till it's popping out the box that I don't fit in. I wanna believe in the truth, but only see what I'm shown. Got the freedom to choose, but can't decide on my own. Follow what the group is thinking. Bottle up my intuition till it's popping out the box that I don't fit in. Shape shifting, same player, different position. The definition could stick with them. Drifting through these layers of wisdom. I took a break from tradition. I move away from what's expected. Change the music ride the way but keep the message question this dimension is still deception every entrance have good intentions no exceptions and leave the rest up to the heavens your only plan to be the seeker and become yourself because more than half would you believe in was crafted to be misleading for the benefit of someone else i want to believe in the truth but only see what i'm shown got the freedom to choose but can't decide on my own follow what the group is thinking bottle up my intuition till it's popping out the box that i don't fit in I wanna believe in the truth, but only see what I'm shown. Got the freedom to choose, but can't decide on my own. Follow up the group is thinking, bottle up my intuition till it's popping up the box that I don't, I don't fit in. Hey, hey, yeah, I don't fit in. Hey, hey, I don't fit in. Hey, hey, yeah, I don't fit in. Hey, hey, I don't fit in. I don't clap the score applause, I don't walk right in the traps. While you closing in the walls, I'll be using out the cracks. Sit and relax, don't breathe. These are the facts, close at least. Living a mask, suckers. Keep moving along to the beat, brainwash, rinse and repeat. Keep pulling about with the sheep. I'll go, got and Eve. Know what I mean? Probably not. Honesty shocks, it's fineness. The only box I'll ever fit in is the one that I die. I wanna believe in the truth, but only see what I'm shown. Got the freedom to choose, but can't decide on my own. Follow what the group is thinking, bottle up my intuition till it's popping out the box that I don't fit in. Wanna believe in the truth, but only see what I'm shown. Got the freedom to choose, but can't decide on my own. Follow what the group is thinking, bottle up my intuition till it's popping out the box that I don't fit in. Hey, hey, yeah, I don't fit in. Hey, hey, I don't fit in. Hey, hey, I don't fit in. Hey, hey,